Hey guys, this is Anna. So before we get today, get on with the show today, let's hear from our sponsor. Hey everybody, this is the Ramblings of a Transgender Christian. I am your host, Anna Hudak. <clears throat> so today, sorry for the weird lighting um, and the different position I'm in. Um, unfortunately, it's been cloudy the last few days here. There's been absolutely no chance to really get a recording, but I have to get it done today. So this is the best I could come up with, so... Um, yeah, here we are, and, um, sitting in a very uncomfortable position, um, let me tell you that, um, I'm not, not at all comfortable, in fact, I'm actually kind of feeling a little bit of pain, so we're gonna try to get this done, um, over in a pretty relatively short amount of time, because I really don't want to be sitting in this position for all that much longer, <laughs> um, but yeah, so anyway, um, today we are exploring, uh, trans clobber passages. These are passages in the Bible that are used by uh, anti-trans folk to say that trans is bad. Um, so we're going to explore these verses and show why they really don't. Um, so I have with me um, at the moment uh, a pocket uh, New King James Bible. Uh, just what I had sitting next to me on the chair. Like you can't see the chair but Literally, I am right up against the chair. Like, I am, like, I'm not joking. Like, my body is literally touching my couch and my chair. Like, like if we're actually squeezing me. Like, I'm not even joking. If we're actually squeezing me. Because I shoved my, my body in between them. Which is also why I'm a bit off-center in this camera shot. So. God as well. I'm being squeezed between a chair and a couch. Anywho, um, but yeah, so we're going to go. Uh, <clears throat> the first uh, verse we are looking at is Genesis one twenty seven. Here's what it says. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Okay, so it seems pretty straightforward. God created male and female. So the claim, obviously, is God created only male and female. There are no other gender identities. And if you are cre created male, then, well, therefore, you must identify as male. If you were born, you know, assigned female, then, therefore, you must be assigned female. You know, you must identify as female. That's clearly what the scripture was saying. That's, that's the claim. Um... I think there are some major problems with this. First off, I think they, they are adding way too much, far more than is to be added onto this verse. Because all this simply says is that God created male and female. Um, so like, it, it, there's no point in this verse where it says God created those, you know, who appear male and therefore they identify as male. There's nothing like that in there. He's just simply saying, as a matter of fact, yeah, he got created male and female. You know, he created male and he created, created female bodies. I think this is more of a, this is, this verse, I, I think, is very clearly talking about biological sex, not gender identity. Um, and you do have to separate those two. Uh, there, there is no claim on, like, I'm sorry, but there is absolutely no claim on gender identity in 
this passage uh, to claim otherwise, I'm, I'm sorry, but is genuinely foolish. Like, it's just a claim that you have to be adding to the scripture to be making. Um, and the second problem with the verse is that the notion that this is exclusionary, that he created <clears throat> um, strict people strictly to be male and female. But the problem is with this, is that this would be the only place in the creation account where this happens. Um, you know, uh, all throughout it we see, you know, like, night and day. Uh, he created land and he created uh, uh, sky, you know. He created land animals and he created sea animals and the air animals, you know. Um, and, you know, it's like, we, we see that throughout it, but we all know, but we also know that there's not just those two things. Like, everything's not a perfect binary in the creation story, you know. There are animals that are both land and sea, you know, like, um, like a platypus, I believe. Uh, you know, I believe that's what it is. That's both land and sea. Like, it has characteristics of both land and sea animals, if I remember right. Could be wrong. But, you know, there are animals that have characteristics of both. Um, you know, um, that are, there are ones that are capable of living on both. Um, we see animals that are both, like, have, like, aspects of mammals and other types of animals. I'm not really sure, not, I'm sorry, I'm not an expert on zoology or anything like that, but, uh, god damn it, foot is falling asleep. Um, sorry, I'm literally sitting on my feet right now. Um... But yeah, uh, I'm trying to shift off that foot a little bit, but, you know, so like, you know, so it says like, nowhere in the Bible, you know, even then, you know, there's like, you know, when it comes to like night and day, you know, there's like times in between that, you know, there's like when the sun, you know, and it's not fully light, not fully dark, it's not fully day, it's not fully night yet, you know, there's like evening, you know. Um, there's the early morning, you know, when the sun is starting to come up or starting to rise down. It's not fully light or dark. But if there's only light and darkness, as, you know, the Bible says, you know, there was, uh, God said there was light, God saw the light, and, if, and it was good, you know, God divided the light from the darkness. Okay, so if we're taking that literally, but there's strictly only darkness or there's lightness. There's nothing in between, but we, you can look out the window um, and realize, no, that's not true. There's an in-between state. So we see over at the creation account, you know, basically where we just take the extremes. It's all generalizations. Everything in this account is meant to be a generalization because we're not going to sit here and list every single little thing, you know, and all the exceptions for just, you know, basically the generalizations that we're listing. Uh, but nowhere in the creation account is there just strictly a binary. But for some odd reason, we're expected that as soon as God got to man, to humans, that all of a sudden, his creation became a strict binary. When nowhere else in his creation has there been a strict binary. It's like, I, I just find that a very incredibly hard claim to defend. Uh, that this is supposed to be a binary when nothing else and the creation account is a binary. Anyway, 
Um, so the next passage, let me get to it, is, um, all right, Deuteronomy 22.5. And here's what it reads. A woman shall not wear anything that pertains to a man, nor shall a man put on a woman's garment. For all who do so are an abomination to the Lord your God. So obviously it was pretty straightforward. If you're a woman and you wear something and you wear men's clothing, then guess what? You uh, It's an abomination. If you are a man and you wear women's clothing, that's an abomination. Boom, shut, closed. Screw you, tranny. Um, not so fast, though. Um, so there's this ancient commentary. Um, the Talmud, the Babylonian Talmud, uh, to be more precise. So this is a, a very ancient commentary by uh, Jewish scholars. It's very reliable um, and is generally considered to be a good authority. Uh, you know, um, you're not going to find too many biblical scholars who argue against the Talmud. Okay, it's a pretty... Pretty trustworthy commentary, you know, very ancient. Um, so I gotta shift again. My body, <sighs> seriously, this is not comfortable, people. This is really not comfortable. Um, but yeah, so anyway, um, so this, the, you know, the Talmud, they have a very interesting, um, they have a commentary on this. So the sages who wrote it. Um, they didn't think that this could be even remotely taken literally. In fact, they actually argued that, uh, it's, that what we're arguing, that what the scripture is talking about is, um, deception. You know, you're right, you, people who wear these clothing to deceive. Women who wear this, the clothing to make everyone, to make people believe that they are, in fact, men when they are not. And this is not anything about gender identity. Um, so basically, okay, like, how do I put this? So basically, like, if you identify, like, if you identify as a woman and you wear men's clothing to convince people that you're a man or to pretend that you're a man, then that would be an abomination. If you identify as a man and you wear men's clothing, you know, like let's say you were assigned female birth, but you but you um, identify as male, and you're trying to present as male, um, that's not. And you wear men's clothing, that is not an abomination because you are not trying to deceive anyone. Because, well, you identify as male, you are trying to live as a male. That you know, if you are living as a male. Um, and wearing men's clothing, that is not an abomination. That is perfectly allowed because you are not trying to deceive. In fact, um, there's actually the argument that, you know, if you identify as male and you're women, wearing women's clothing, uh, trying to push off at the idea that you're a woman, well, that that would be an uh, abomination according to the sages who wrote Talmud. Um... But, I mean, this is how, you know, this, like, I want to make it clear. This is an ancient commentary. This is how people thousands of years ago um, understood gender and the scriptures. 
and it's honestly pretty amazing that they had a much more open view of it than um, we do today. But yeah, so like, you know, obviously this is mostly used against trans women, you know, because um, the view is that trans women are trying to deceive when quite simply we're not, we're just trying to live who is who we truly are, who we identify as. Um, basically, you are not an abomination if you are a trans woman for wearing women's clothing because you are living as a woman. This is who you identify as. This is just who you are. Um, in fact, I would say that there's actually a strong biblical case that if you are wearing men's clothing, um, despite identifying as a woman, um, you know, um, and going across, going out, you know, in society as a man, you know, trying to pass yourself off as a man, you know, um, that that would be an abomination, you know, um, at least according to the Talmud. Um, now I want to make it clear. I am not saying that you are. I'm just saying that this is a, the Talmud could could be used saying. Um, I think that is a bit extreme because let's be honest, there are valid reasons to um, not present as a woman right away if you do identify one as trying to live as one. There are very valid reasons. You know, mostly physical safety because let's be honest, uh, people like to attack and try to kill trans women. Um, so unfortunately, a little deception is necessary. I don't think that... Um, I don't think you're an abomination for trying to stay safe. Um, I want to make that clear. If you're trying to stay safe, you know, or just straight up don't feel comfortable doing it yet, mainly because you don't pass or whatever, I don't think that's an abomination. I really don't. Because, um, well, you, you got to look after yourself at some point. But honestly, like, even ancient scholars never viewed this verse as being literal. And even modern biblical scholars don't view, most, you know, do not view this as an anti-trans verse. There are people who view this as an anti-trans verse or basically dipshit commentators on the radio or, you know, bloggers trying to, you know, own the tranny. Biblical scholars overwhelmingly do not see this as a anti-trans verse. So if somebody is telling you that this is a anti-trans clobber verse, I'm sorry, but they straight up don't know what we're talking about. Because um, once again, pretty much no one that actually is knowledgeable views this as an anti-trans verse, you know. Biblical scholars all throughout time overwhelmingly say, you know, do not view this as an anti-trans verse. They view this very much as a um, is saying, do not wear the clothes of the opposite sex to deceive others. Make them think that you are a member of the opposite sex when you aren't. Um, you know. Basically, as long as you're not doing it to deceive. You know. That's pretty much how this verse has always been seen by biblical scholars. So, it's pretty much the agreed upon view for the most part among people knowledgeable. So, so why I'm basically, once again, what I'm saying is anyone who uses this say, see you trans, bad. They straight up don't know what we're talking about. I'm sorry. Um, all right. Then we have another 
from Deuteronomy. Uh, Deuteronomy 23.1. All right, here's how the passage goes. He who is emasculated by crushing or mutilation shall not enter the assembly of the Lord. So basically, this is strictly talking about those who are assigned male, penis owners. Um, if your penis has been mutilated in any way or crushed, you shall not enter the assembly of the Lord. You should not worship with other uh, believers in Yahweh. Pretty simple. Trans women who get the bottom surgery, guess what? You don't get to go and worship with other Christians. Um, and not only that, you if we're to take this pretty literally, probably not getting into heaven. Bottom surgery is a major disqualifier. Mm. Not quite. So back in the day, this was a huge passage used to discriminate against eunuchs. Because, you know, uh, eunuchs, uh, they lost for penis. You know, they, they got their uh, testicles uh, cut off. Um, so that... Uh, um, you know, they couldn't have sex, um, you know, with, with the women because they are often put in charge of, like, the harem, you know. So, can't have that. You can't have somebody with a penis, you know, going around and impregnating the women there. Um, you know, but also, you know, it's just to keep, you know, even if they weren't in the harem, you know, um, it was to make them more submissive, you know, because they didn't have to testosterone, uh, surging through their bodies, making them more, you know, um, willing to challenge, made, makes them more submissive. Um, at least that's how it was seen. So, um, you know, makes you less aggressive. That's true, though. Um, you know, so this was a, so back in the day, this was mostly used as a anti-eunuch passage. You know, so like eunuchs were not allowed to worship in, you know, the temple. Um, even if they believed in Yahweh, they were not allowed to. The Jews would not allow them. But there's a response to this verse in scripture itself. Um, so it is found in Isaiah. Isaiah 56, 1 through 5. Um... And by the way, I'm going to try to remember to link all the passages in the, the show notes. So if you want to read them for yourself, I'm going to try to leave links to uh, every single passage mentioned. Thus says the Lord, Keep justice and do righteousness, for my salvation is about to come, and my righteousness is to be revealed. Um, Blessed is the man who does this, and the son of man who lays hold on it, who keeps from defiling the Sabbath, and keeps his hand from doing any evil. Do not let the son of the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord speak, saying, The Lord has utterly separated me from his people. Nor let the eunuch say, Here I am, a dry tree. For thus says the Lord, To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, and choose what pleases me, and hold fast to my covenant. Even to them I will give in my house, and within my walls a place and a name, better than that of sons and daughters. I will give him an everlasting name, that shall not be cut off. So for hundreds of years, these eunuchs, who have, you know, mutilated genitals, you know, um, which, you know, 
was spoken out against in Deuteronomy, you know, they've been prevented. Um, you know, first off, many of them are uh, distressed that, you know, they are incapable of, you know, expanding their family line. Because understand, back then, nothing was more important than reproducing. You know, you wanted somebody to continue the family name. Um, you needed ancestors, you know, especially mostly to take care of you. Um, eunuchs didn't have that. So that was uh, very distressing. And so, you know, that by itself made them lesser in society, you know. Just not having children, that makes you by, by yourself, by itself, made you lesser in that society. Um, you know. Um, but in addition to that, you know, having to mutilate the genitals, which was called out in Deuteronomy, you know, that only made it even worse. Um, and uh, they weren't allowed to worship in the temple. But in this passage, as we see, God says straight to them, No, come and worship me. Come and worship me in the temple. You are welcome. And not only that, I am giving you a better name than anyone else. So what is this talking about? So like, I guess, like, um, I don't know the passage for this, but apparently from what I understand, um, I've heard my dad talk about it, but to be honest, I don't really know the passage for this. Um, I'm not that much of an expert on this shit, um, on anything to do with the Bible. Uh, but I guess there's like a true name that we all have. Like a name that God has for us. Um, a true name that nobody else knows. And that nobody else will know, except for, you know, apparently us and God, you know, whenever we get to heaven or whenever he reveals it to us, but you know. It's a name that he has exclusively just for us, you know. Um, and apparently there's like levels to the goodness of these names, you know. Some names are more special than others. And what he is saying is that in this passage is to you eunuchs who have been discriminated against, you know, who can't pass on, you know, don't get to have anyone to take after you. Look after you when um, you're old and all that stuff, you know. Um, when you die, that name I have exclusively for you, well, guess what? Um, you're going to have, like, the best names there are. You know, I have very special names for you in mind. Um, much better than, you know, the average Joe Blow, who's not a eunuch. So, basically, you know, so, like, as we can see... God does not have a problem with people with mutilated genitals. In fact, he welcomes them to worship. Um, it's like, as we see, this is, you know, not a problem at all. God says, come and worship. Come, to, come with me, you know. You are fine. With who you are, as you are, you know, like, it's quick, quick, simply, the takeaway we, we, you get from this is that if you have mutilated genitals, um, you are fine as who you are. God doesn't have a problem with that. So, like, once again, just not a, a terrible passage to use. Um, it does not prove what the transphobe thinks it proves at all. 
And then I think we have one more uh, passage here. Uh, well, let me see here. Um, okay, so... Um, Alright, so this is the final passage. Um, this is uh, Matthew 19, 11 through 12. But he said to them, All cannot accept this saying, but only those to whom it has been given. For there are eunuchs who are born thus from their mother's womb, and there are eunuchs who are made eunuchs by men, and there are eunuchs who made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. He who is able to accept it, let him accept it. So once again, this is just continuing on, you know, the, you know, the, the, the rebuttal to Deuteronomy. Um, that God is saying, yeah, it's perfectly fine to be a eunuch. It's perfectly fine to have mutilated genitals. Like, he just says it even more clearly and even more plainly here. There's nothing wrong with it. Perfectly fine. You know? Um... So it's who you are. God doesn't discriminate, you know, um, you know, on on things like this, you know, like, uh, like I mean, like uh, I forget where, you know, but like God does not discriminate based on who you look like outside. He, what he, you know, he could say discriminates on is who you are on the inside. You know, um, basically, you know. What, it's the inside that matters. It's your spirit, you know, who you are truly as a person that matters, not what you look like, what your genitals are like, or anything like that. God doesn't give a shit, to be quite frank. It doesn't matter. Sorry. You know, so, once again, just another passage, just really hammering home the part um, point that well, uh, doesn't matter. Um, anyway, so that is all the uh, trans cover passages that I know of. Um, if I miss any, let me know. Um, you know, if you have any questions about any of these, more further questions about any of these passages or any other passages that may have been used against you, um, and you don't know how to respond to them, email me. I'll try to um, get back to you on that, but you know, but also I just want to hear from you in general, you know, if you listen to the show and enjoy it, I'd love to hear from you in general. All my contact information is in the description. All my social media is in the description. Um, you know, um, I also have a Patreon, Subscribestar, and Ko-Fi. Please support this show if you enjoy it there, especially so that I can get, um, higher quality, so, uh, um, quality uh, audio and all that stuff onto it soon. Um, you know, support on Patreon for one buck a month, you know. You get the audio ad-free. You get every episode um, ad-free and early. Um, we have an exclusive Patreon feed for everybody there, you know. $3 a month gets you the video versions ad-free and early. And 5 bucks a month, you get an exclusive episode every week and several other videos um, a week. Um, on Subscribestar and Ko-Fi, um, can't really do audio on there, unfortunately, so it's video only, so one buck a month gets you the video version, ad-free and early of every episode, 
and uh, for five bucks a month, you get exclusive episode and videos. So that's how it kind of goes. So if you want to, especially if you want to, you know, hear stuff ad free or get exclusive episodes, um, support the show. Anyway, that's everything I've got for today. Thanks for listening, everyone. Hope you all have a wonderful day. Peace.